Welcome to Game Store Profits, where we talk about God, gaming, and groups. I'm your host, Daniel Fisher, along here with Supreme Leader Perna. <laughs> well, I, I keep feeling like I'm, I'm about ready to like do some kind of coup, because I, I go from you know the president to, to, what am I now, Supreme Leader? Yes, yes. I feel like we should be doing these, like, like I should have a picture up in the tavern of me, like, as some kind of weird Banana Republic dictator. No, you, you need to be dressed like Snoke. Clearly. Yes. Clearly I need to be dressed like Snoke. And, and if anybody knows me, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I, I love both Star Wars and Star Trek, so don't get me started in any arguments on that, guys. <laughs> but when it comes to Star Wars, I'm totally for the dark side. Um, you know, if if anybody knows some of my screen names is Darth Fishius. Ugh. <laughs> I got that from work, by the way. It it fits though because some of the Darth names are just we we live in a world where Darth Insanius was put forward like that's yes. that's that's almost canon. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, you know my character. Uh, yeah, if you play uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, before Disney bought them, your character technically became canon All right. because it happened three thousand years before Star. Uh, you know the the actual trilogy, the first trilogy. That they said all that storyline that happens in game becomes canon. Fun times. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, we're not here to talk about Star yeah. Wars fan fiction. <laughs> no, no, we're here to talk about gaming. We are. Yes. So, so Daniel, tell me what has been up with you? We had a baby. You did. Yes. An adorable little peanut. Well, I'd call him a mushroom. He's my little mushroom. <laughs> I've called him everything from my little turd face, my little mushroom, uh, my little pig. He snorts when he eats. Aww. Um, little things like that. His name, and I'll tell you, Samuel Bani Harrison Fisher. That's a long name. It, that's, a, that's a lot of name right there. Well, and the reason for Samuel, and I'll give you this, it, same, the story of Samuel and his birth was my wife's favorite story in the Bible. One of her favorite stories. My favorite story in the Bible is, actually my favorite person in the Bible is Benaiah. Um, he was the uh, one of the, the captains of David's guard, and he, he just did everything on faith for God. Mm-hmm. Um, Harrison is kind of a joke. Okay. Um, you know, I've always said Tiberius, Tiberius, one name Tiberius. Well, we didn't do that. Um, Harrison, one of my buddies, his middle name's Harrison, and he was like, he kept calling the baby little Harrison, joking around, and, uh, before he was born. So, I was like, Jessica, let's just name him Harrison. And she's like, what? No. And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's just do it. And so, my stepfather's name is Harry, so we could call him Harry for short. And, well, I wouldn't say stepfather, my adopted father. He's the guy that adopted me. Then we also, Harrison Ford. And, I, and these are arguments I made with her. And then, um, <laughs> I said, Harry Potter. And she's like, well, okay. And well, so. <laughs> well, when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it that way. We'll go from there. But, um, yeah. So, um, that's, that's what we did. We named him that. And then we had our daughter there. Um, and I will tell you this. God used the birth of my son to change my daughter. And it was incredible because my daughter was kind of a snooty little, and, and, and she knows I'll say this about her. Um, she was kind of stuck up, snooty, all about herself. And um, your, she, your daughter has been proven, you know, scientifically as a murder hobo. Yes. And, um, so she got to be in the room when the baby was born. And when the baby was born, um, she had tears strolling down her face. She completely changed. This is her baby. Um, she comes <laughs> home from school. Uh, she does all her chores and gets all her homework done just so she can hold the baby Aww. and play with the baby. And this was a girl before the baby was born was like, you're not pregnant. I don't want no baby in my house. So, <laughs> but she's completely, God used her. God used this to, to change my daughter. So it was pretty cool. That That's awesome. And And I can say that, you know, as you know, not only are we saying this because, oh my goodness, congratulations, baby. Yeah. There's also the idea that we recently had a contest in yes. honor of the birth of your baby. Yes. The, uh, and, and I don't want to announce who won, but I've already picked the name. Uh, and I'm going to let him post the picture of the dice in the tavern. Um, that's going to be one of the requirements for him to get in the dice. Um, now the dice have been given to me by, uh, 
my wonderful friend Drew at Norse Foundry. He said, okay, I'll give you the dice um, for this uh, in honor for your son. And he just found out, or he just posted yesterday that him and his wife are going to have their first kid. Babies abounding. I know. Isn't it awesome? I love babies. So anyway, so like, um, so anyway, the dice will be donated. So you're not getting some cheap, crappy dice from, from Chessex. You're getting some good heavy duty dice person that won. And I'm not going to say your name because I want you to gloat about it on the tavern (laughs) because that's your job. If you don't gloat about it by the time you receive it, I will gloat about it. For you, but anyway, yeah, we 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 pulled the name out of the hat, and um, and he's getting them sent this weekend. Nice. It's always yeah. nice to to talk about winners. Yeah, <laughs> I'm never a winner. I'm I'm rarely a winner. I have been on record as saying that it is hard for me to win games because I'm almost always the teacher of the game. Yes. And when I'm being the teacher, I'm not only playing the game, but I'm teaching other people how to beat me. Yes. And, and well, the thing with me is I don't want them to lose on their first game because I want them to enjoy it. And people enjoy winning more than they enjoy losing. Let, let it be known. I, I have no problem watching you lose your first game. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> But I, you know, my family this weekend, every Friday, we have our family game night and we played our My Mystics campaign. It was a continuation of the one we started three months ago and, um, we lost. It's, it it's been found to happen occasionally. Yeah. My son cried and I was like, wow, we get to start it all over again and we'll start it on my game night where I get to pick a game and I won't make you play Fury of Dracula. Really, I wouldn't make him play that game. It's too little, but, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we could play my mystics again and he cried for about 30 minutes until I shut the brownie in his face. <laughs> the Friday nights are the same nights we get our sweets. We, we, we limit our sweets to once a week. So, well, there we go. Yeah. Now, speaking of the boy, yes, the boy recently made a purchase, didn't he? Yes. So anyway, um, as most of you all know, I do have a small, game collection um, that sits behind me. Uh, Mike sees it every time we record. My son officially at the time owned two games. And the first game he owned was Robot Turtles. And then he owned Battleship. And he cheats at Battleship. So never play him at Battleship. He stacks ships on top of each other. You know that that trick where you stack all the all the, you make the pyramid and nobody can ever. And I'm like, you know, I always have to pull it over and just check to make sure he's not cheating. And then the game's over with. Well, anyway, so we made our weekly jaunt to the comic shop, a comic slash gaming store, and he's like, "Man, I really want to get that game, uh, poop in a bag." And I was like, "No, you <laughs> want? I know what game you want." And he's like, "What?" And, and he's obsessed with Munchkin, Munchkin. And I really don't like him playing the adult version of Munchkin because of some of the language on there. So I was like, how about Munchkin Treasure Hunt? It's the same, but for kids. He's like, okay. So he took his own money. First time this has ever happened because the other two games are gifts. He's like, he, he takes it and sets it up on the counter. And I'm standing behind him with a couple of Droppers of paint in my hand, getting ready to buy those. And he hands Dwayne his money, and, and Dwayne looks at him, it's like, it's your first game purchase. And he's like, I've got you for the rest of your life. <laughs> and takes his money and, and, and does all that wonderful thing with the money, and, and he goes home and we play it that night. That, that seems like the kind of thing that deserves some kind of ceremony. Like it's, a, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. And, and he looked at me and said, Dad, are you going to add this game to your game collection? I said, no. It will sit on my shelf just so you don't lose the pieces at the moment. But this is your collection. I was like, if you were old enough, I would create you a board game geek account and this game would go in your, your, your catalog. And he's like, oh, okay. And that was it. That's pretty much it. But he had fun. Uh, I beat him. You know, he cried. <laughs> and, and, you know, we haven't played it yet again, but we'll probably play it this weekend. Nice. So yeah. what, how, how is Munchkin Treasure Hunt different than regular Munchkin? Cause I've, I'm on record as saying that I'm not a big fan of Munchkin. Okay. So as you know, with Munchkin, you've got to get levels. Okay. With Treasure Hunt, you've got to get, uh, treasure. 
Um, it's like a certain amount of treasure. But um, you've got a game board that you're on. Uh, kind of like the board from Munchkin Deluxe. But the actual monsters are on the board. So when you're playing the game, um, you're moving your token... And then when you land on that monster, then you pull a card to see if that monster's got any power-ups. And then you see how bad it is. And, like, you pull that card and, you know, you may say pull two cards for this monster or pull one card to see what the power-ups are, if there's any power-ups at all. And then you use your treasure that you've had to build your character up to fight that. You've got to match it or go over the power and kill that and then you get more treasure. So, and it's whoever has the most treasure, I think, at the end that wins. I can't remember. So, um, of course, I hoarded all my treasure and barely used any and killed everything. So, uh, came out there with like 40 treasure and they all had like three. <laughs> so, it se- it does seem like, if, if you're familiar with Munchkin, it is a similar concept. <laughs> but, you know, a different... En- like, I think, I think, honestly, from just that, that short explanation, I think I would be more apt to play that than actual munchkin it's fun and it does have a die roll i will tell you there is a die roll involved so there is a little bit of random chance see i i think that that something like that would actually make munchkin a lot more interesting to me simply because so much of that game is i flip a card I can't do anything. Yeah. Next turn. Like, <laughs> and it's when you go begging people like, will you help me kill this? So I don't lose all my levels. And, and then, you know, you have to make the deal. You don't get any treasure at all. And somebody helps you kill it. And then somebody, the other person in turn beefs the monster up as it comes through and it kills both of you and nobody gets any levels. And uh. yeah, like, the the thing that gets me every time with that game is that there really isn't any choice. No. It's it's reacting. Yeah. So that game becomes okay, it 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 is entirely resting on the people you're playing with, which there's there's plenty of space for that in the gaming world. I I just I want a game that is good like a solid game that gives choice and interesting decisions that, you know, I don't have to like find a certain group of people to play. Yeah. And, and well, you got to think about it though. It Munchkin is a, it's kind of like a dungeon crawl. I mean, you've got to take what comes at you when it comes at you. No, no, it thematically, it works. Yeah. I just, it doesn't, it's been a long time since I've been excited when somebody said, let's play Munchkin. That's that's just all it is. It's been a very long time since I've got excited about that. Yeah, I'm like, let's just play Monopoly instead. No, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> I can say that upon recording, we are, you know, days after the experience that is International Tabletop Day. Yes. Sadly, Mr. Fisher over there was... Hard at work. Yes, I on had to work tabletop. Twelve-hour shift that day. So while he was doing that, I—I I mean, I did have an event in the morning that wasn't gaming-related, but pretty much for six solid hours, I was, you know, leading a board game uh, event, and it was a ton of fun. I got a bunch of games to table, which I don't always see, which was mm-hmm. nice. Like I got to play Blood Rage, which is my ultimate favorite. That's cool. Uh, at least partially, one of our guys had to leave, and then the rest of us are like, well, we can't really continue without him, so we just kind of totaled up the points and see who won. Yeah. But uh, I got to see Above and Below, which is, oh my goodness. Now, I'm I'm going to, to say, just for the sake of disclosure, that Red Raven Games is sending us a copy of Above and Below for TavernCon. So, full disclosure, that's pretty awesome. But regardless of whether or not they did that or not, I will tell you that Red Raven Games, unless something drastically changes and something really takes my attention, Red Raven Games is going to get my my company of the year nod because I – granted, Above and Below has been out for a while, but you've got Above and Below, Islebound. You've got Near and Far, which is coming out this year, which yeah. is a Kickstarter that is just coming out this year. And the the fact that all their games, while being distinct, there is this 
distinct through line that kind of goes through all of them to the point where in the box for near and far, there are characters that you can use for above and below. So the character little tiles actually go between games. Like I, man, I, I, I will near and far. I want to be playing that so bad. (laughs) Well, I mean, and you're not the first person that's mentioned above and below this week. I was, I actually saw it. I was on Reddit. Um, that's where I spend most of my day when I'm at work earlier this week. And somebody was talking about above and below. And I'm like, I, I want that game. I, I mean, and, and that was just it. I want that game. I don't know why. I was just like, that game looks like a good game. And, and I, I mean, it was just looking at pictures of it. Um, there is one other game that I know of that does the same thing, um, as above and below. And it's Mass Mora. Really? Because isn't Masmora like heavy miniatures? Yes, but Masmora, your player card, the characters come with a player card that you can use in Descent. Huh. So it's very interesting about that. So I was looking at that and I was like, well, that's great. If I ever get my dice for Masmora, then I'll be able to play that and then I could try it the other way. Sorry. Nobody, Kevin, sent me the dice for that game. No doubt that Kevin would have those dice. Yes. I, I have the game, everything but the dice. His ships this weekend. So uh, he's like, as soon as I get those dice, I'll send them to you. For those of you playing our home game, Kevin is, is he still the world, the Guinness World Record holder? He for the- is going to have that until the day he dies. Yeah. He is the Guinness Book of World Records record holder for the largest dice collection. The guy that comes in second, his name is Joe Barbercheck. He is also one of our friends, and he has about half of what Kevin has. Yeah, so needless to say, the the dude knows dice. One of the things that I was excited about was that not only was I getting these these really cool games to the table, I actually ended up getting one game to the table that has been on my shelf of shame, uh, mostly just for lacking of opportunity. Uh, it was one of the games that TR Knight recently donated to the cause. Uh, I got Evolution, the beginning, to the table. Was it as awesome as it looks? It's, I uh, I have mixed feelings, because for what it is, it does what it is really good. Mm-hmm. It, it does a phenomenal job of being what it is, but I kind of wanted a little bit more, and I think part of that is because of the fact that I was playing it two-player. I think it would be of more value to me if I had more people in the game. And and I will just explain that because when I explain the game, it'll make more sense as to why I think it'll be a, a better experience with more players. Now, if you're out there listening, this is not Evolution, the big board game. There is a bigger version of this where you are doing a lot more stuff. This is a smaller, uh, not tied to that game at all other than the theme kind of standalone game. It's a card game. And what happens is, is that on your turn, you add some food to this little kind of communal food area called the watering hole. You get a hand of cards and you add a new species, which is basically represented by a card where instead of actually playing the little trait that's on the card, you just put that card down face down. And that represents a new species that exists in the biome that is this watering hole. Now on your turn, you have cards in your hand that give that new species some uh, traits. Now you can either play them as traits. Like I think my favorite one is fat tissue, just because I like saying fat tissue. (laughs) The picture on it is hilarious. It's like this hippo looking thing. (laughs) Like fat tissue means that, that each creature in this species can eat more food. Yeah, you can get things like f- like defensive kind of things like flight and nocturnal, and and other things like that 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 pretty much just say, in order to for this species to be attacked by a carnivore, that carnivore must also have these features. So only you can only attack a nocturnal thing if you're a nocturnal creature as well. You can only do flight as well. So you can you can play it as traits, or you can add to the population of that species. The reason you'd want to add to the population is because you need to feed all your creatures. So as long as there's food at the watering hole, you need to, to feed your creatures. And every one of your creatures in each different species that gets fed, 
though that little bit of food goes into a little scoring pouch that basically says this is how many points you're going to get at the end of the game. So your goal is that you want your species that you control to be eating up all the resources and being the most powerful so that at the end of the game, you know, you've gathered all the food. Now, the reason that I think that this game would work way better with more people is that one of the traits is turning a species into a carnivore. If you turn a creature into a carnivore, they no longer eat the food that's at the watering hole. Instead, they eat other creatures. Wouldn't that be best? Because you could eat everybody else's creatures. No, and this is exactly why I think it'll be a ra- uh, an amazing game if I'm playing with more people, but it was kind of awful when I was playing with two. Because the the guy I was playing with, he basically had a creature who was i think it was nocturnal and it had burrowing so in order for me to attack that creature i also had to have a carnivore who had nocturnal and who had burrowing what happened was is because he only had one target which was me he would just be gobbling up all of my creatures and it took everything within me to try and and claw my way out of this hole I was in a hole that I could not dig myself out of, but at, by the time we had just kind of said, look, we want to get some more people to table, let's end this game, because he was literally getting as much food with one of his species as I was with my entire, uh, uh, my entire biome, as it were. Like, he literally had one carnivore that was pulling in, like, like five or six food just themselves. <laughs> If, however, I had more people at the table and he had more targets so that he, he didn't necessarily just, you know, need to – he could focus on me and just put me down, I think it would be a much better experience because he'd have to worry about other people. It would give me a chance to to build up. Or if he was paying too much attention to me, one of the other players could have knocked him down a peg. Like I think more people really would help that game out. Mm-hmm. But as it was, it was entertaining. It's a light little card game. You really only have a handful of choices, but those choices are meaningful. And uh, it's a pretty quick game. You basically go through the deck of cards, and once you've gone through, everybody gets one last turn, and then you just move on with your life, and you count food coins. Like you, that, That's literally it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm very okay with it in the collection. I would have no desire to get rid of it. But I do think that I would not play again with two. I would need to play with at least three people. I think it goes all the way up to five. I think that three to five range would be a much better experience. Yeah, smaller groups are harder to play with in certain games like that, too. I've been looking for a lot of five-player games here recently myself. As a general rule, I'm a big fan of the four-player genre, as it were. Like, not genre, but that collection of games like four players to me seems to be like the money zone it's the it's a good size group but it's not so large that it becomes unwieldy well my big thing is i have five people total in my small group that will definitely affect things yeah and then like um now i'm gonna have five people i have five people in my family now so in the future i'm gonna have to have games that support up to five people yeah and because of the fact that a lot of games top out at four, it becomes a sticky situation because yeah. then there's always that one person who's like, well, I I guess I can't be a part of this. No. I had to kick my daughter out of the house. <laughs> I, and just, I will t- uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Just, just kicking her right out. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something funny that was, she, she brought up to me. Um, like right after the baby was born, uh, she goes, yeah, you have me and Andrew. Why did you all decide to have another baby? And I said, well, a family is kind of like a game. Um, every time you add somebody, it's like an expansion. And it just makes the game better. And she's like, okay, but what if the expansion sucks? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, all our expansions are good expansions. All our expansions so. are fine. Yes. We love them all equally. <laughs> yes. But in different ways. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what if the expansion sucks? 
I, I, I can't blame her because there are definitely some expansions. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Arabian Knots from my... Yeah, let's, let's leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing that's kind of on the horizon, which I think is kind of fun, and it'll kind of lead us towards the end of the episode. Uh, at the At this point, at the time we're recording... Uh, early bird registration has closed for the Academy East, which is Game Church's uh, conference, and I'm I'm super excited about it because you know one because I was happy when they started doing these. What it, this is the third year? Well, this is the third year, but this is the first year they've done East. This is the first year they've done East. So the first two years, I remember being like, man. Like, I'd love to get out there, but there's no way I can fly out to California. So when they announced that they were doing East and that it was literally 40 minutes away from my house, I was like, absolutely. And it just so happens that uh, the director of Game Church is like, hey, Mike, we'd like you to be a speaker. Yeah. So uh, if you're listening to this and you do want to go, early bird registration is over, but you can still register. It's going to be in the first weekend in June. And I, I'm a little upset that they scheduled me for 9 a.m. Saturday morning. Do you, do you need a, a, a gallon of coffee sent to your I'm, I'm going to need a large, large coffee, especially due to the fact that I'm pretty confident there's going to be a bunch of people who want to play things all Friday night long. Pretty much. So I'm, it'll be interesting. I'm hoping that I'll be cogent when I speak. Because it's it's usually at least a good half hour after that before I start to be a decent human being. <laughs> so so we'll see. They will be recording it. So hopefully I'll make sense. I'll uh, be happy to watch that. I will not be there. Yes, but a number of people will be. A number of regulars actually will be there. And I know at least a couple of, of you guys who are listening, uh, there's at least a couple who have said that they're going to go to the Academy which is the first weekend in June, hang out all week, and then go to TavernCon, which is the following weekend. Yeah. There's at least a couple people doing that, and I am super excited because Where that- are they staying? Yeah. <laughs> They're not staying with me. Let's just put it that way. But going back to this, it's been an interesting ride because – Game Church, we've, we've always worked really well with Game Church. We've always been kind of right alongside with them. Daniel, in fact, is running the Gen Con trip for them this year. Yes. And if anybody wants to go, just message me on Facebook. I still have slots. So, and, and I'm, I'm super excited about that because of like, we, like, I used to go to Gen Con. I used to go to Gen Con. It used to be a big push for, for inroads. And then I realized that, the way Gen Con functions is not really cost effective to the way we do ministry. Right. Because we are all about that relationship. We're all about community and we want to have the conversation, which is really hard when people are shoving and pushing their way through really tiny aisles in just to try and get to the, the place where they're going to get the, the cool deal on the new game. Right. It's really hard to pull that off. Whereas Game Church, Game Church's whole deal is they're just say like we're just here to tell you Jesus loves you. That is a phenomenal thing when people are pushing their way past and people are are only maybe there for a couple minutes. Man, that is perfect. Yeah. So I'm super excited that they're going to be there. Uh some of you also might know that I occasionally write for Game Church. Uh I'm trying to think of what my most recent one was. Uh, I know, oh, it was, uh, Oxygen Not Included was the most recent one that I did, which was a fun one to write. So, so we work hand in hand with a lot of these guys, but one thing has happened, a combination of, uh, some of the leadership that has come on as well as just, you know, they see the writing on the wall. Uh, a lot of people in Game Church and in, in their Facebook group called the, uh, Game Church City have been discovering Tabletop games. It's like it's a new invention to them. Now, to be fair, I want to I want to make this very clear. A lot of these guys, this is not new. They 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 are hardcore tabletop nerds like the rest of us. Yeah. But for a number of people, they 
they they are completely new to this stuff and it's really fun i actually uh i mentioned matt warmbeer matt warmbeer is old school tabletop or at least i i thought he was old school but then huh? there have been a number of times when i i go i go oh matt it's it's so cute to hear you guys talk about tabletop <laughs> games and and he takes it in straight he knows that i that I, I i love those guys and what they're doing but in a way, it, it, that's been the case because they're like, oh, man, I just discovered this game called Sentinels of the Multiverse. And I'm like, oh, kids, let me tell <laughs> you, let me tell you how long that game's been out. And it's been it's been really fun to kind of see that building up in that community. And especially because the, the thing that really just typified it to me was, like we said, International Tabletop Day yeah. was just this past Saturday. And it's not an old event. It's only, this is only the third year that it's happened, but it got a lot of nerd coverage pretty much every year it's happened. And it's only gotten bigger. Like one thing that I absolutely love is the fact that this year when they did the tabletop day stream, which is something they, they literally do for like 24 hours, a lot of my friends in the tabletop media realm not only were they getting shout outs, they actually were participating. They, they were, they flew out to California to be a part of it. Yeah. So like Marty Cannell from Rolling Dice and Taking Names, who is a tavern regular, Rodney Smith, who does Watch It Played, he was there. Stephanie Straw, who, if you don't know Stephanie, you really should fix that because she's all kinds of awesome. Like these people who have been doing tabletop stuff are getting a, a lot of cool exposure because Geek and Sundry, as is an entirely different market. Like those guys, those guys do a thing and like half the world is like, Ooh, this is neat. So we're seeing more and more of this tabletop tabletop uh, appreciation going on there. And I'm like, wow, this is big deal. This is a big thing. And somebody posted about what they got on tabletop day at, <laughs> at game church. And like three or four people are like, this is a thing. I had no idea this. <laughs> I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah, we sit around and play Clue and Monopoly. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm like, no now granted, I'm neck deep in the hobby. Yeah. I check Board Game Geek every day. In fact, I just had one of my reviews up on Board Game Geek. The approval just came through. So I like I'm I'm on there. I check cool stuff in miniature market every day for their daily sale. Like, I'm neck deep. And that's just the thing, though. I'm neck deep. So all this stuff, I assume everybody knows about. In fact, when I talked about Tabletop Day, I mentioned Marty Cannell. I mentioned Rodney Smith and Stephanie Straw. And I promise you, I'm going to reach through the ether that is the internet. (laughs) And I'm going to promise you that there is at least somebody listening to this podcast right now who has absolutely no idea who any of those people are. I, I came to a realization as I was thinking through this, as I was looking at this post and saying, yeah, no, it's been a thing for the past three years. I realized that so often we forget that we're coming from a place that not everybody knows. Yeah. That we're coming from a place that we assume that everyone is on the same page that we're on. And as such, we try to to make statements and try to say things and, and, and try to push forward these, you know, little ideas and agendas, not realizing that nobody understands what we're talking about. We make these assumptions that there's a common understanding when really we have no basis for that. And I think that that, you know, to, to not put too fine a point on it, I'm pretty confident we do that. In places other than just gaming. Oh, yeah. I, the the number one thing I was thinking about is in church. Oh, yeah. Between uh, young Christians and old Christians. Well, not even that, man. Think of it. You know, in, in our community, I, I continually say that we are ridiculously blessed because yeah. – now, granted, we have some people in the tavern that have no claim to church or no claim to faith. And – that's awesome. We love that you guys are there. We love that you're hanging out with us. We have 
uh, as well as those folks, we have people from pretty much every Christian faith tradition, at least the major ones. There's like a bazillion denominations out in the world, but at least all the major players are represented by at least one person. Like I can point to the person and say, yes, that person is, is part of that denomination. And even within, within that framework, within that understanding that so many people from so many traditions are hanging out together, there are times when, when I promise you that we make assumptions of what church looks like about, you know, what, what God looks like and how he interacts with us. We make assumptions not realizing that, that no one understands what we're talking about. <laughs> Oh no! Well, I understand completely. <laughs> you you have full knowledge. A full knowledge. Well, I mean, of what we're talking about. Though. I mean, it's like you know, grow up in church and you go to another church. And you're like, well, our church don't do it this way. It's like a completely new thing. I I don't know if this is like universal or something. But yeah. here we go. Speaking of, but at least the past handful of churches that I've been a part of, they offer up some level of. Like new members class, like, like you're in the area, you want to become a member of the church to, to have uh, a voice in the way the church is run. Like a number of the, the most recent churches I've been a part of have all done that. The, the, the congregation led kind of thing. And there are times when I forget sometimes that, that I have, I have knowledge that not everybody else does. That's not to toot my own horn. It's because I spent a lot of time, money, and energy learning things that the average person doesn't, you know? So there are times when I forget that things that I just assume like, like, Oh yeah, that's, that's just a, a thing that people know. And, and it comes down to either, even sometimes with just absolute basic stuff, like the understanding of baptism yeah, and why, why you should, you know, do that and what it means. You want to talk about a doctrine that gets way different depending on where you come from and, and way like the, the language that we use and the ceremonies that we use, uh, just on the basic level. I mean, there are so many times when, when I'll say baptism and heck, you know, a lot of my background is very Baptist, which means that we dunk the heck out of that person. Oh yeah. But a lot of people who are here are coming from a tradition where the first thing they think of when they're they're talking baptism is you know sprinkling, sprinkling water, yeah. like so even the 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 fundamental picture of what that looks like is just a completely different thing. So you really have to kind of just I don't know we have to be aware that we have to explain our terms. Yeah, Daniel, what? What are some things that, that you think of that, like when you have, have you ever had that? I mean, not just relegated to church, but just, has there ever been a situation where you find yourself just needing to definitely explain yourself? Uh, <laughs> well, everyday conversation for me is like that. I work in the healthcare IT field. It's my professional job and it's full of acronyms. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I say EHR, EMR, you know, I know what that means, but other people don't. They're like, what? And like, I'm like, well, what, what PM system do you use? What's PM? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And I mean, this is my day to day, but then like, you know, even in my hobbies, I mean, talking to my wife, I mean, the only reason why she knows so much of this stuff is because I've been talking about it for years and I've had to explain it to her. You know, uh, undercoats and base coats and top coats and highlights and washes and things like that. And she knows what those are because I've explained it to her. But you well, know, we when- can even we can even pull back the curtain a little bit on the the editorial process. You yeah. recently, at least the the main basic uh, level of your you know painting for new for new folks for beginners. Yeah, like there were a number of times when you'd write something down, and I'm like, dude. <laughs> I I kind of know what you're talking about, and even I don't know what you're saying here. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing because because and I to to fit into any group, you have to know the lingo, and 
you know, it's hard when you know the lingo and there's no other way to explain it, you know, to people. So for me, so, and, you know, that, that leans a lot out there. You know, I talk to people on a daily basis about this stuff. And, you know, when, when you're like, what's a wash? I'm just like, um, it, it's a, it's a thin down ink that is applied to go into crevices of miniatures to add shadowing. <laughs> you know, and like, I know what that is. You didn't know what that was. Like, like, why, why don't you know this thing? Yeah, I was like, I thought you gamed. And, but not every gamer does these things that I do. And, and, you know, it's just like not every person that plays D&D knows what Thacko is and can explain Thacko like TR can. Look, look, I, I cut my teeth on, on AD&D. And I still can't describe what Thacko is. <laughs> I don't think anybody can. That's why we have castles and crusades. <laughs> it's D&D without Thacko. The reason that I think this is important is because we want to try and communicate. Yeah. That's the goal. It's not just to be, you know, shouting at the wind. We want to communicate things. Yeah. And like with our church, and I'll go back to the church on this thing here. Um, we decided a long time ago that we're not going to use Christianese. That's the best way for us to put it. Going in and be like, well, let's talk about the dispensation of this period in the Bible. What? What? You know, people are like, what are you talking about? You know, and they, they don't know, especially new Christians. And I'm like, nobody sat through a theology class like, you know, we have or, or mm. done anything like that. So, Sanctification versus edification. Some people still don't even know what that means, and they've been in church for twenty years. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, though. We we had to decide as a as a church: are we going to use words like that, or, or are we going to actually explain what this is? Because those words are made up man words that aren't in the Bible, but that we use to explain things in the Bible and the growth of Christians. So, um, and, and that's the way it needs to kind of sometimes be in the gaming world as well. I mean, in our world, because we're going to run into new people every day. And when I'm explaining to kids about how to play Savage Worlds, I'm like, you need to grab that D12. That yeah. what? I'm like, the red one. Roll the red one. <laughs> and, and, and they're like, oh, okay, I'll pick up the red one and roll it. Okay. So. Well, the the thing about communication is, is that it's not just what you say. It's it's whether that thing that you say is actually received by the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we're, at, at least for me, I you know I, I I'm trying to be better about not making the the generic statements. But at least for me, I know for a fact there are so many times when I've I've used a word. In fact, there's actually a, a story about when I was younger. I was in college and I can't even remember what we were talking about, but I said something. I was referencing some kind of, you know, obscure geek reference. And I was hanging out with my brother's friends and I remember all of them just like heel turning, being like, what, what are you even talking about? And I remember being, I, my, I remember my response was, Oh, I, I am sorry. That is a little bit of an esoteric phrase. And I, <laughs> and I look as, as they don't, there's no understanding there. In fact, if anything, there's an entirely different level of confusion that washes over the previous one. And I go, Oh yeah. Esoteric phrase is actually an esoteric phrase. <laughs> Like, haven't you had 11th grade English yet? Yeah. And so I, you know, you, you want to actually make that connection. Like, I know all those big words that you've referenced. I know all of that stuff. Yeah. And there, there's all the little ones that, that sneak in the, the little idioms that, that creep their way into conversation that you're like, what? What do you even mean by that? Like all this, especially the stuff we use with kids, but like, 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 I'm like, I'm really feeling the spirit yeah. right now. What does that even mean? <laughs> if you're well, not in church, what does that even mean? 
You know, and I noticed the the words that we use in the conversation that we use, we kind of have a tendency to use them to cull people from our herd. Oh, yeah. So, like, and, and you know, just for the fact that, well, they know what I'm talking about, so they're in with my group. They they understand D&D. I mean, dude, dude understands the difference between, a, you know, a photon torpedo and a... Yeah. You know, other things. But anyway. <laughs> well, and it, it's interesting because the language that we choose to use, that it's kind of a double-edged sword. Because in yeah. one regard, it unites us. Yes. Like, when when somebody, if we start, you know, talking about what's a, a, a kind of other thing, besides gaming, gaming is not my only love. Mm-hmm. I have many nerd loves in my life. So, like, the other day I was talking about anime. And I just started saying that Cowboy Bebop is some of the most gorgeous animation I've ever seen in my life. And I responded was, that's the only anime I could ever get my wife to watch. She really enjoys Spike. Right. <laughs> and and I could go on for days about that. But here's the thing. Like, I know other people and they're like, oh, yeah, he's one of the greatest characters. And this is that. And, and oh, my goodness, this scene is one of the greatest things ever. And and this is why Vicious is among the, the greatest villains of all time. And, like, I'm just, yes, yes, these are my people. This is my stuff. Like, you feel that. So there is this understanding of when somebody knows the terms, when somebody can make the references, it's it's encouraging. It's a good thing. But the problem is, is that it can also be a a kind of a gatekeeper. Yeah. Because the more you use those, the more you are basically saying, if you don't know these things, you're not part of us. And so it is that that double-edged sword. Like there's a, a, a lot of good that can happen when you have those terms. And there's a lot of, of bad too. And I think the importance is is trying to just break it down by that by that fundamental understanding of communication. It is not just that you're putting stuff out there. It's that that is being received by the person you're talking to. Because and I think that that you have to understand and and come to grips with the fact that not everybody is on the same page as you. That you have to allow for the fact that there are basic assumptions that you think everyone is on but no one even is in the neighborhood yeah it's when you understand those those little idiosyncrasies all those weird little things it's when you understand that those exist that you can then say okay let me catch you up to speed you can be in this with us but i need to bring you to that place where you are with us it, it forces you to step outside of yourself and be like, okay, how do I communicate this with you? Like you talk about Christianese and that's a thing that, that lots of people who are in church will say, oh, I don't do that. I don't, I, let's, let's get rid they of do. Christian, let's get rid of Christianese, which is funny because in the process, Christianese has kind of become Christianese. What, it's kind of become Christianese. The, the etymology of language is really entertaining to me. But we, we do it all the time is that we're like, oh, yeah, we're totally going to get rid of that stuff. We're totally going to get rid of that stuff. And then we start talking about these concepts and we forget that a lot of these concepts are completely weird and strange to people who aren't in church. It's not enough just to not use the big word. It's not enough to kind of bust out the, the theological thesaurus and be like, what does this word? What's another word I can use for this? It's that you really have to go and explain the concept that that word means. You have to dig deeper because you're literally just in a completely different world than the person you're talking to. And I think we forget that sometimes. Oh, yeah. But to get good practice at that, best thing to do is have a kid. Because that kid has no idea what you're talking about. No. I'm like, won't you pull... Let's teach my daughter how to mow, mow the yard. I'm like, you need to pull the train string. What string? That string. Oh, okay. <laughs> that one so, right there. 
Yeah. And it and it's it's interesting because when you you see the when you get to that place where you can identify where a person is, that one of the greatest things I ever witnessed between my mom and dad. My mom and dad have been married for decades. Um they are the cutest old couple you're ever going to see in your life. And it was really entertaining for me one time because they were trying to plug something into this like entertainment system. And uh I literally hear like like I like my dad's feet are dangling out of one side and my mom's feet are dangling out the other side and I literally hear the following dialogue. Hey, can you pass me the what's this? Oh, this too hickey? No, the thingamajig next to it. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. And they knew the two of them didn't say a word of actual English. <laughs> But they knew exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. Family words. It's it's because they they just understand like this is the fundamental thing. Like it's this thing. They just knew. So it's it's a it's finding the ability to create that space that says, okay, this is what you need to know. This is the place you are currently at. If, if what you need to know and where you are is on par, we can move forward. If not, I need to bring you, I need to bring you to that place. <laughs> and I, I think that not only in church, but in a lot of things, we'll find ourselves in a much better place if we stop assuming that everyone knows what we're talking about because they really oh, yeah. kind of don't. In fact, you know, I already said that there are people, you know, listening to this podcast. I, I, it was fun. I recently sat down with Jeff Engelstein, and uh, one of the things I told him, I said, "I'm going to make a lot of references to things, and I'm going to reference. I'm going to have you talk about some of your old games because we have a lot of people who this is new. Gaming is new, and so the fact that you have all these games under your belt, a lot of people don't know those games. So we're going to talk about <laughs> stuff that no one's ever. You know, we're going to approach this like no one knows what we're talking about." And, uh, that's, that's just it. Like, I know for, like, there are times when I have a buddy who listens and he goes, he goes, look, man, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like three fourths of the time, but I listen every, all the time because I, I, I really want to know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's love right there. There it is. Absolutely. Anyway, I think that's where we're going to sort of wrap things up. This, this idea of, of understanding your own idiosyncrasies and the fact that not everybody is on your page. I I think that that's something to aspire to is, is to be able to identify that and, and speak into it. But, uh, Daniel, uh, what you got on the horizon? Uh, hoping this baby poops. Um, (laughs) everything's baby related yeah and, and it's so, often involving with bodily function it looks like i've got to paint all the tr knots miniatures coming up here can i just say that that was one of the funniest things there i'm like like i i want to see mass mora because mass mora looks really cool and before i knew it i checked back a little bit later and, and like there was this rally cry for you to, to literally paint all of tr's miniatures and well that's the thing though i've been having a conversation for probably about two weeks with tr about that and um because he really wants to get into the hobby of painting. So he's like, yeah, I may just bring some to Gen Con with me and you can take them home and paint them and send them back. And I'm just like, why? Why can't I just teach you how to paint? So that's what I really want to do is teach people how to paint. Um, but yeah, um, more articles about painting, um, more pictures of my board games getting painted and stuff like that. Uh, I haven't set up a, a, a gaming day yet uh, just for the fact that you know, new baby, and it's hard to get away. Um, right now, it's one of those things of, uh, at this point in my life, if I get to go walk the dog, I'm lucky. Um, there you go. So, other than telling him to go into the backyard, <laughs> um, sleep's very precious right now as well. Oh, yeah. But hopefully I will get to play D&D this weekend, uh, this Saturday, Friday night with the guys. But yeah, um, other than that, I've got a few things down the pipe as far as, um, I'm still trying to get together a Deadlands game for, um, our Twitch page. 
And, uh, just getting everybody on the same, same page with that. And, uh, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con. I'm in Gen Con mode now. If you want to go to Gen Con, message me. Message me now. Um, I will do whatever I can to get you funded to get to Gen Con so you can tell people Jesus loves you. Here, have free stuff. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll kind of piggyback on that to remind you once again that, uh, the first weekend in June, I'll be at the, uh, Game Church Academy. Uh, I will be there all weekend. I will be speaking Saturday morning, but I will be there the whole time. I am bringing a sizable portion of the Inroads Traveling Library with me. I've had people making requests, and I will try to honor as many of them as possible. You going to bring hero quests? I'm not probably going to bring hero quests. Unless somebody specifically asks. If somebody specifically asks for it, it's close enough. I'll bring it out. I'll tell Alan <laughs> to specifically ask for it. Yeah. But, uh... That one's going to be good. I, I'm super excited. I, I'm going to talk about what I'm calling incarnational gaming and uh, how there's power in physically being at the table with somebody in a world of online stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be fun. Uh, $100 for the entire weekend is not a bad deal. No. Uh, the big one I'm going to spend a significant amount of time talking about is TavernCon. TavernCon is our... Uh, annual fundraiser. It is how we make a large chunk of money that we use to run game days throughout the rest of the year. It's how we get to conventions, how we do a bunch of other stuff. Uh, TavernCon is 10 hours of open gaming. Uh, this year we'll actually get a lot of the, the stuff that we've been known for over the past. This is our third year doing TavernCon as well. So some of the stuff that we're doing, uh, we're going to bring back the gaming raffle. Uh, we've got a, a number of companies who have donated. Most recently, we've got the people from Peaceable Kingdom who are sending us a couple games. So for those of you who are looking for kids' games, there's going to be – between Peaceable Kingdom and Haba, there's going to be a, an entire prize pool of just, like, kids' games. Uh, if, if I could win it, I would <laughs> go <Yeah. up> there. <laughs> Even if you were there, you can't. So I know. Inroads people are not, not eligible. But uh, – there's going to be, we're trying to do, uh, we're basically going to throw everything into a couple things. We're going to do prize pulls where there are going to be fewer prize pulls, but each pull is going to win more stuff. So I'm, I'm really hoping that the raffle goes well. We're going to have food all day long. Uh, we're going to have some special guests. We're going to have folks from the Bodana group with us. Uh, they do amazing work. They were just f- featured in an article in Kotaku. Yes. Which I will be sure to link that in the show notes. Uh, they're going to be there to talk about what they do and play games as well. Uh, we're going to have Jason Tagmeyer from Button Shy Games, who will be making his return. He was there for the first one. He wasn't able to make it last year, but he will be back. Uh, he'll be there to bring some prototypes from Button Shy Games. He will also have uh, a bunch of his stuff there in case you'd like to buy some of his, uh, some of the Button Shy wallet games, which I have a number of them. And, one thing that I, I hinted at, I said, I said, I, I want to under promise and over deliver. I'm not making too big a deal out of it. Like it's not going to be in any of the print stuff because it's not, but you guys are special. You guys are, are part of our, our loyal constituency. And, uh, this is when I'm going to tell you that after doing that interview with, with Jeffrey Engelstein, Jeff basically told me that he's coming to TavernCon. So Jeff Engelstein will be. So, you know, supposedly it's, it's, he's basically said he's coming. He's got it on his calendar. It's not going to be like official. There's not going to be like a meet Jeff Engelson. Like we're not doing any of that. He's literally just coming to game. I, I may or may not have him sign my copy of Dragon and Flagon, but he's just coming to game. So if that's a draw for you guys, uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to play. He's a, a really cool guy. Uh, you can also listen to the interview that I did with him, uh, last week. I will put that in the notes as well. Uh, so TavernCon is looking to be uh, a great time. Uh, well, the, I'm, I, there's still more I can talk about, but I don't want to go too much longer. Uh, it's a free event, but there's going to be a lot of stuff you can donate to Inroads. The whole whole shebang. Uh, going to get the you know we take donations for food. We take obviously for the raffle, and uh, we are happy to sell you swag like buttons, stickers, and magnets. Uh, all of it goes to, to fund the ministry and, uh, help get us to places and help us continue to grow what we do. That is the next major event that we're doing. And, uh, pretty much all of my life until June 10th, 
from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. will consist of making TavernCon happen. So I am very excited for that and hope to see as many of you there as is possible. I'm super excited because on the event page I created for Facebook, there's at least one guy who's like, I can't wait to come and see everybody and hang out. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. And that makes me happy because that means people are talking about us. We are the anti-fight club where everyone the, – the first rule is that you need to tell, tell everyone about us. <laughs> so anyway, guys, thank you again for listening to this episode of Game Store Profits. Uh, I'm Mike and that's Daniel. And always remember, God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>